I'm Matt Bronger. This might help. I am not a doctor. This might help. I'm not a professional. Let's have fun. This honestly is a good time. I'm Matt Bronger. This might help the podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of This Might Help, uh, the advice podcast that promises nothing. Uh, thanks again for listening and for uh, tuning in. The nice ratings. I, I have one of my uh, friends and favorite living comedians. Uh, he's not the best at taking compliments, so I will throw that right out there. Uh, Roy Wood Jr. is here. Roy, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Thank you for inviting me onto your acoustical audio presentation. Um, I apologize. Have to be very careful about saying radio because radio nerds will send you a message and remind oh. you that this is not being broadcast. Therefore, podcast is not radio. It's not the same. I don't. I mean, I don't have that much of that that big of a reach, so I don't think we're getting those people. I think, we, I think this, is, this is us, a couple thousand people, dude. I was saying how you you were one of those comics who I would only see you ever at a festivals or b airports. That's the only time. Like we would last time I saw you, <laughs> LAX by the Coffee Bean Terminal two, and this was probably three four years ago. Before you got the Daily Show. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was like we, we kind of. I, I I've had those moments with you, you name it. I'm sure you have too, where you just kind of see each other, and it's like. I, I imagine it was like the traveling musicians of the '50s and '60s. Where 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 are you playing? St. Louis. Ah, yeah, you're gonna be with uh, them and them and them. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Where are you going? Oh, Salt Lake City. Hmm. Okay. Like. You know what's weird is that the airport is the only time I will speak to comedians that I feel are above my pedigree. <laughs> because we're all equal at the yeah. airport. We're all traveling to do this. It's also the time where I feel like I get the brief acknowledgement Man. that you are comedian. I am comedian. We to are said the entertainer. He never broke stride and we talked since then. he's a cool brother. But at the time I didn't know Seth the entertainer. Yeah. And we're walking past each other in the airport in Atlanta and it was literally just a nod. But yeah. it was a deeper, it wasn't a black nod. It was the comedian's nod of, oh, you travel? Yeah, man. And we just both called out our gig. I, was, <laughs> I just said, funny bone Cincinnati. He just starred on Birmingham <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, that that's uh, it's just to hear it said out loud is is was so cathartic. You just now because I've had the same thing where I'm just like, all right, I'm just gonna go up right up to, you know, so and so, you know, this person that just like they're selling out, you know, arenas, and then, and be like, and they'd be like, oh hey man, you know, like kind of move past their fans and hey hey hey, where are you going? I'm going to the okay, okay cool. Yeah, you know, it is it is that thing. Yeah, that's I, the that's, next level. Or at least the level I've unlocked now is the airport lounge with black actors. I've done enough now to where black actors know who I am. Even if you're not going to speak and you don't know my name, we both know we're in the business, motherfucker. Don't you act funny at six in the morning around these shitty eggs. And I get that acknowledgement. Yeah. And that's also something that kind of just, I don't know, man. It just, this, it makes me feel level. warm. That's next level. 
like I was um, Alfonso Ribeiro. This was Pete dancing with the stars, Alfonso. I can't remember if it was going on or it just wrapped, but we were both in line like at TSA, like, like that thing where he's just far enough ahead of me in line to where I can only talk to him when he makes the turn in the queue. Sure. And we pass each other briefly. Uh-huh. Like it was just it was just long enough to have a moment right there. And I go, that's all I needed. Yeah, that's it. That's just it. enough. But I bet I belong. I'm part of this fraternity now. You you forever belong, man. You're like everybody's favorite. I don't I'm not trying to give you like too much credit here or anything. I'm I'm honest. I've never met someone who isn't like, oh man, I love Roy. Like like your comedy, your style, very unique. And you've well, been through you, a brother. lot and it and it shows. But I, 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 I would venture, you've probably had this. This has happened once to me that I can think of. If you had the person, you're just like, I don't want to bother them. And they come to you? Where like, think. I bet you have. Ooh. Anderson Cooper. Okay. It wasn't a comedian, but it was Anderson Cooper. But that's more on some oh, daily no, I'm show, saying anyone, journalism no, not, shit. Like a star, someone that's like, you know that so he came over to you oh yeah anderson cooper just at at a gate in like austin or some shit he just comes over tell trevor i said next time but it's some joke we'd made about fucking whatever some some shit anderson cooper said tell trevor next time and we just shared a quick laugh and it's like i know you are i know what you do fucking respect we're both out here doing the shit uh-huh and you keep yeah. it moving that's the important thing, though, is to keep it moving. Don't make it weird and go. Yeah. So, Anderson Cooper, how is it like? Yeah. And you're fucking Where were you going? Going to get a drink or uh, you want to want to get a coffee? He was yeah. in. Also, he was in his safari vest, so I know he was going to some disaster-stricken place. And <laughs> you can see the stress on his face. He's mm -hmm. there with his producer, reading through the notes of whatever. Mentally preparing himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A person come who's who's born in the, into the money of the Vanderbilt family, uh, going to a, a, a war ravaged third world country. That's got to be a yeah, got to be a real yeah. twist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife and I were at a restaurant, and Tay Diggs was across the room, and we we're like talking about how much we like him. And I was like, oh, we don't bother him though. And it was time to go, so we get up, we're leaving, and he crosses the room to get to me, and he's like, hey, I don't want to bother you, but I, I saw you on Up All Night. You are hilarious, and I was like. Dude, what? Thanks. And he like shook <laughs> my hand and I was like, wow, wow. thanks. Hey, hey. He's like, okay. Like, I know. And we left. And it was funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, one of those moments. I generally do not speak to other celebrities. Sure. The yeah. Entertainers in general. And mm -hmm because I don't know how you're going to receive it. Yeah. And if you receive it wrong, I'm going to be fucking, it's going to fuck with me. And it's going to be, there is a guy that to this day, it's fuck him and everything he does. I won't name him on your podcast. And he's not even big enough in the pantheon of comedy, but it just, so I, I spoke, he, we were both at a comedy club one night and I saw him on something. And he was a guy that I had known to have a lot of hustle, a lot of grit, and just hadn't, just hadn't gotten a break. You know the drill, just hadn't yeah. got, I mean, truthfully, like when you look at my time in LA before Daily Show, Steve Byrne is the only person that really helped me mm -hmm. get on anything. 
I auditioned my ass off for seven years in LA and got dick. All I got was what Steve Byrne gave me at TBS and Sports Nation. And that's because the Booker of Sports Nation graduated journalism school with me. Wow. So, <laughs> so it connects, right? Yeah. Fucking. The point is, like, sometimes it doesn't matter how good you are. It, this is, there's so much of it. So when you see someone that you know is talented, get an opportunity. Yes. I am happy for you, dog. I am legitimately yep. motherfucking happy for you. I walk up to this fucking arrogant fuck. I go, hey, man, I just saw you on the thing. Congratulations. That's going to be a good look. Now, the normal response is, thanks, man. You know, I'm happy. I'm Whatever boilerplate graciousness response. This motherfucker rubs his chin. He rubs his chin like some R&B singer that's deciding which chick to take home from the he rubs his chin and he goes ah you like that huh i got more hot shit on the way <laughs> then walked off thank you fan <laughs> literally say hey, thank you big fan of mine i oh. truly hope that he just thought i was a fan but if you did not know me as a comedian, then that is also another layer of offense that I will just choose to possess. Um, so yeah, when I see people, I give you the professional what up nod. Um, Samuel L. Jackson, I spoke to him once in Memphis. Uh, they were filming Soul Men and we were both doing a media hit at the same time, whatever the local TV, Good Morning, Mid-South or whatever the uh -huh. fuck it was. And yeah. and he was at a Starbucks and I clocked him at the Starbucks, like in this like little, it's like, it was a, it was a mall. They shoot the new, the morning show at a closed mall during the day or whatever, you know, the food court or whatever. And I'm clocking him and it's the first time, like that's still next to Stuart Scott, that's the, that's like the most starstruck I've been yeah. just in seeing someone in person. Like those two dudes are at my table. Like the, who oh, will you be at your dinner? When you, again, if you could invite four people to dinner. Yeah. These are two of the motherfuckers. Sam Jackson's one of my dinner table people. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going through what I'm gonna say to him. You know, like I've made the decision to speak and now I spend the next 10 minutes rehearsing and going through like because that's what you do when you see someone famous and you're intimidated it's no different than speaking like, to a woman like it's yeah mr jackson your journey um it's, the inspiration um the doors that you <clears throat> um i'm a young comedian maybe you and bernie want to come to my show tonight <laughs> that's how naive i was and I fucking walk up to Samuel L. Jackson. This motherfucker has a script in his back pocket, a script in his hand. He's got a fucking Blackberry. Another. This is back when Blackberries was still relevant. And he also has what I now know through growth in the industry is like a PR person or an assistant with him that's barking shit in his ear. He didn't have a fucking time to talk to some fucking... I was also a feature act. Like, I wasn't even headlining. I was going to invite him to come see me at the fucking, what was that shit in Memphis? Don't tell me, God uh -oh. damn it. It's there's it's a chain. They're also in Little Rock and Wichita. Uh, 
they're in Oklahoma City too. It, it's it's a chain club, and yeah. I, and I go to invite them. It's gonna eat at me, and I'll figure it out before the end of the podcast. Yeah. And as I'm walking up to Samuel L. Jackson, he just extends his hand. He goes, "Hey, brother, keep hustling, keep climbing, see you at the top." Never broke stride, but he gave me something. He gave me more than what I deserved, and it was. But because the transaction didn't go the way I thought mm. at the time, I took offense to that. But knowing what I know now, it's like, nah, man, these people, most of the people you respect are too busy doing the thing that you respect them for. Mm-hmm. So they just don't have the time. To, just don't have the time to fucking. Yeah. yeah. The Looney Bin, the Looney Bin Comedy Club. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That hey, changed. Mr. Jackson, I mean, you and he- Bernie Mac left the. After 12 hours of shooting a film, you want to come see some yuck yucks next to the fucking Memphis Zoo? Well, Bernie, you've played this place for a lower money than me for some reason. I want to come through and sit there and have them all look at you and, and bother you while you're trying to have a beer. Yeah, he, Samuel Jackson is so famous. They were like, what do you do on vacation? Well, when you're not doing a movie, he's like, I just go out on my boat. Like he goes out <laughs> away from human beings. That's how famous he is. Like that's how much he gets bothered. I just know that every time I've tried to speak to someone with some level of gravity and some level of celebrity, I just end up looking like a fucking moron. So I just don't say shit. I was opening for Ron White one time in Huntsville and I'm young, you know, so I, he's the first theater. This is the first theater act that I'd ever opened for. Oh, yeah. So you're used to comedy clubs and now you're stepping out in front of 5,000 people, you know, in these, you know, these larger performance halls and the level, and this is peak blue collar, Ron White. And my stupid ass, because I had grown up in the club system where, you know, I came up at a time as a road comic where it was not uncommon two weeks out of the month that I would drive the headliner to the gig or pick him up from the airport. That was your job as the feature was to give the headliner a ride. Absolutely. And that's how you bond and learn the craft because you're sitting in the car, all that shit. Yeah. So I get it in my head. If you do something, we should be paying someone else to do. I mean, that's really what it is. Yes. That's why we So we're using you basically. I didn't understand the pay gap differential from comedy club to theater, especially when you're selling 5,000 seats at 35 to $70 a ticket. I just didn't understand. So I'm backstage with Ron White. This is in front of everybody, bro. It's like 15 motherfuckers back there. Uh, Mr. White, how are you getting to the airport tomorrow? If you want a ride, just let me know. I'm happy to give you a ride to the airport, sir. Ron White goes, Roy, I'm leaving tonight. And I'm doing the math in my head. So this is Huntsville, Alabama on a Tuesday night. There's no flight at 11 o'clock at night. And how do you mean you leave? Roy, I have a plane. That's my pilot right there. And he points to a fucking dude in the cut no. who I thought was just his, his homeboy chilling. It was his fucking pilot. Ron White is just chilling backstage <laughs> with his fucking pilot. And my stupid ass thinks that this motherfucker wants to get in my Ford Focus oh. at six in the morning. 
Come with me to the airport, Mr. White. Because I thought he was just a regular ass perform next to the Memphis Zoo as headliner. Uh huh. <laughs> damn, I was so embarrassed. That's my oh. Roy, I have a plane. That's my pilot. And he said it, and it wasn't even condescending. Like, he wasn't like, get the fuck out of here, kid. No. He was just explaining to me. Ron is the kindest. Ron is the nicest. He was kind. Yeah. He was just like, son, this is a whole nother level you're on. And I don't think it. So let me let me give you some game. One, I have a plane. Okay. I don't fuck with commercial no. airfare. I pay to fly it. He's over there. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. The whole time I thought this guy was just like not drinking because he's on some sobriety journey or some shit. Like, sure. oh no, he has to fly a mechanical device shortly. Yes, he has to keep Mr. White alive. Literally, that's, that's his fucking job. Three Michelobes that we are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. So yeah, yeah but, I, I generally speaking, I don't fuck with celebrities. I just stay away from them. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's smart because it's just like. Talk about the last year has been the great equalizer. Like everything fell apart anyway. And we were all just people anyway. I mean, the people that thought put themselves on a high post, I think as soon as you do that, you basically knock yourself off. Because you're not, yeah. you, you see the same people falling, going down as you saw coming up. And the best advice I've ever gotten in my life is, you know, just be kind, just be cool to everybody, man. Don't, you know, don't, don't ever you know, drink your own Kool-Aid because... Yeah. yeah, there's um. You came up like working harder than anyone. Not only going through all these clubs, but going through these areas where a lot of black comics did not play. Ooh. I don't think because I had to fucking eat every week, bro. Yeah, like I mean, everybody talks all that Chitlin Circuit and how wonderful it was to perform in these black venues and some, and it was, but that money wasn't weekly. That money was monthly. Yeah. in a lot of markets if you want to pay your bills every week as a as a road comic in the south you have to perform for every demographic yeah I mean, that's there's more money to be made yeah i could work monday through wednesday performing for white people black people don't go out till thursday and fucking front for comedy mm -hmm. yeah weekend that's that's a weekend activity right so black rooms were predominantly weekend fucking things, but I could make money up and down the Gulf Coast performing at casinos Monday through Wednesday. They were terrible gigs and nobody in the room was under the age of 65. And many were in there were, I say this nicely, degenerate gamblers who had lost a lot of money and been given tickets to the comedy show as a comp as a way to psychologically keep them in the building so that they would feel better about themselves and then go back out and continue gambling. That's that was literally the purpose. I've heard it said. I don't think that needed a, a prerequisite a statement. I think you just kind of nailed it right there. The degenerate gambler that, is even generous. Because the casino just, manager, not. like a traditional stand-up show for the people who don't know, is usually three comics, 90 minutes is the number. Sometimes it may go a little longer, but an hour and a half is the general sweet spot. Casino comedy shows, they want it 70 to 75 minutes. We don't want these people in here for a little, any longer than an hour or so. Mm -hmm. And I went over one night. Oh, good. And the show went to 90 minutes. And the casino no. manager pulled me to the side and blasted me and 
basically to my face told me this show ain't about you and your jokes and whatever the fuck you're working on. Our job is to get these people back in a good mood and get them back out there gambling. So when you think you've done that, stop talking. Wow. My show ends at 70 minutes. Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to I fuck up the bread. Too. And it's at, at that point, you're just like, sir, I can't tell you how badly I want to leave. So I want to thank you for giving me that, uh, that limit. Uh, dude, we used to do biker bars. I used to do racist shit too. Like performing for people that you know, 100%, these are fucking racist. But you're cool because <laughs> you're here to fucking perform. Mm -hmm. We did this biker bar in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And one of the guys kept asking me where I was staying. Oh. And it kept, it was like uncomfortable. And I just like, didn't go back to the hotel. No, this is after the show. Oh. Yeah, man, in, in town. So we're about to got you staying, buddy. And I fucked up and named the hotel. And he's like, now which one? And I was like, hmm. No. Red flag. Yeah, Red yeah. flag right there. And I just left, bro. I left and I had to go back to Birmingham that night anyway. I was going to go back to the hotel. Back in those days, if the gig was within five hours of Birmingham, I would drive back that night yeah. so I could do radio that morning because I was still interning at the radio station. Yeah. My fucking just asked that shit, bro. I would just leave and then I would go, I would just sleep at a truck stop. Flying J was my truck stop sleeping oh yeah out of choice a flying oh, j guy i don't change. fuck with travel america or pilot I, I, configuration we, we of the across, parking lot's not favorable to safety and we drove across the country uh in, in uh october and i changed the baby many times at a flying j many times <laughs> <laughs> yeah flying j is where i used to stop to get internet i used to check my email this is 2000 2001 mm -hmm. i mean Somewhere between 99, I didn't get my first laptop till I think 03. So like that four year stretch, I checked my email at Flying J Truck Stops on the road and it was $3, it was $3, it was a dollar for three minutes of internet. And that was just enough time to check my, because that's how you found your avails and gigs and, you know, bookers would just send a, a, Carpet bomb. They would carpet bomb every comic in their address book and go, Biloxi, tomorrow, 200 bucks. Who wants it? Yeah. And whoever's the first motherfucker to reply, you win. Mm -hmm. They you weren't trying to stack the show and compliment comedic stuff. Like, no. Which one of you fucking roaches wants to go do exactly 70 minutes at Casino Magic? Yeah. <laughs> fucking Gulfport. Well, it's, it's like my, my, my life's philosophy is just keep improving your problems because that's it. Like, you know, I mean, I think it's just like, if you got, you have better problems now than you had back then, you're doing all right. I feel like you've got some good problems now, Renner. Absolutely. I think it's great. Absolutely. Do good you problems. get asked advice a lot? Do you have people that are like, Hey, can I, can I bounce this off you? Like friends or. Really friends, young comics, but young comics, they're just curious and how can I put this? 
if you've been doing comedy more than two years, you will get more detailed advice. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I probably should push that number to five years, but you won't get from two to five years without some help. And if you care enough to ask, then fine, I'll fuck yeah. with you. But anybody under two years, it's more boilerplate. I can sum it up in a paragraph. Just keep doing it, keep writing, and perform yeah. everywhere. That's it. But they think there's more and they want to know more, but there's nothing else for you to learn until you continue to perform. Because it's just because you're not even you're not qualified to receive the not yet upper level four thousand level course advice. You got to take your prerequisite classes first, bro. <laughs> you're still remedial for a few years. I'm sure. Yeah. I would honestly, I would argue you're remedial until maybe year seven. And yeah. then it's not till maybe year 10 that you really start, oh, I know what I'm doing. Yes. Now it's now it's muscle. Now I got it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you can kind of like like on 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 the show, I don't know what the calls are. You know, I put your name out there. You know, people just call in and leave messages. Sometimes we get people, you know, everyone says, hey, how do I make it? We take those and we throw them right in the trash, you know, mm -hmm. but there might be something. If someone's got a specific thing, sure, we'll go for it. But mo I've, I've been doing this show long enough that most people know that what I advice I give is just, and I mean, just what you just said. Not necessarily the exact same time frame, but that's what everyone who's been doing it long enough, like we all know the wisdom, so. With, what with I, what uh, I'm going to do at some point, I originally thought it as a podcast, but it can't be that. Um, there isn't, there aren't resources for comedians between year five and year 10. Hmm. There's no book for that. There's no, con like a comedian messaged me the other day and she was at, so she's part of a festival and the festival there was verbiage in the contract about, you know, it, fuck, what was it? You can't do our festival if you've been on TV before because oh. it's for amateur comedians. Okay, fine. But she's also already taped something that hasn't aired yet. Interesting. Interesting. So her question to me was, can I still do this festival even mm -hmm. though I've done television? And I go, no, you haven't been on television yet. Therefore, do yep. the festival. And even if they say anything, no one's gonna fucking give a fuck. If you're funny, all's well that ends well. No one's gonna fucking complain. And then on top of that, the company, and this is the deeper shit, the production company that she did the previous credit for, they're notorious for shooting shit and just sitting on it and huh. waiting for you to get popular in other quadrants so that they could drop it at the right time and make the maximum return on their investment with you. So the shit that you shot still might not come out. And then you sit here and don't do this festival where you could get representation. The weight is not on you. You got to be that, that you have to be a, you have to be a mob lawyer as a comedian. You have to be yeah. like, you're on. And even if they catch you and you're funny, you're telling me that you still didn't benefit from the exposure. Too late, bitch. You can't take back the exposure you gave me. I did not know bone crusher Tony the lizard was a murderer. I, as far as I know, he's an Italian grocer who, run, you know. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> fuck these people. 
get it however you can so that type of those type of conversations amongst comedians it's it's happening to a greater deal now on clubhouse so i feel Mm -hmm. less stressed about doing it there's a lot of comedians that kind of all sit and commiserate on clubhouse every day and give each other advice and there's comics of varying you know generations or whatever so i felt less of a pressing need to do it now but for a long time i really wanted to like you know just talk with comics and create this repository for advice because you're messaging me about a question that I answered two years ago. Right. And I want to help you, but but I don't want to type another fucking email breaking this down. So, Hey man, click this link. I recorded my conversation Mm -hmm. with so-and-so. There you go. And that should help you. So I think that's still needed. Let's, let's roll the first call and see what we got. You ready? Let's do it. Okay. Hi, Matt and Roy. I love you guys. Uh, I have a quick question. Currently, I'm seeing this girl, and we get along all right. I sort of like her. However, there's an issue. Her dog is a menace. Every time I go over her house, her dog steals my shoes, tries to bite me, won't leave us alone, and is extremely nosy and annoying and won't stop barking at us i don't know what to do uh, part of me just wants to end this thing overall is there a way to resolve this what do you believe i should do i love you guys thank you my fucking need to call caesar milan he called the wrong <laughs> fucking podcast that's the thing i never know what i'm gonna get right i once had a guy call me on on acid and said him and his roommates had a possum in their attic and he was they, they've decided that he would put on boxing gloves and go up there and get it. And like, I was like, you know, this isn't live, right? Like he left a message. Like, what are you guys going to wait a week? So I never know what I'm going to get. Um, I think that number one, the bigger question is how is the dog towards her yeah. when he's not around? Get that information. Right you might have to treat this shit like like i always feel like pets are just like miniature versions of children Mm -hmm. and if you've ever dated someone that has a child at some point you have to foster your own individual relationship with that child right take the dog for a fucking walk give it a snack try to fucking peace offer but if he's trying to bite and nip and fuck with you then that's something at some point you have to have a conversation with her about, or maybe it's getting a dog trainer or let's give them obedience lessons together and make it a couple's activity. But if y'all are just seeing it, she's not going to let go of the dog. The dog is a package deal. So if you force her to choose, she's going to choose the dog. Mm -hmm. So you either have to tolerate the dog or change its behavior somehow, which is, you know, olive branching with them or get that motherfucker in some classes, bro. I, I dated somebody once whose dog was a growler like that, but it was a little bitty dog. And so oh, yeah. when she wasn't around, I would like flinch at him and fucking, sure. you know, fuck with him. Cause, dog. Yeah. Well, cause if the dog is backpedaling while he's barking, he don't want that smoke. Right. So rush that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like let her leave for work one day. I'm not saying physically touch this dog. I'm not saying abuse animals, but I am saying make yourself big. Like what's the, uh, the frill lizard. Yeah. The um, Australian joint, yeah, get big, mm-hmm. hands out to the side, yeah. like you're fucking d up 
NCAA style, two, three zone. <laughs> Hands wide. If you're ever, if you're ever like on a hiking trail and a bear comes up to you, like when bears stand up, that's the thing why we look threatening bears, because when bears stand up, they're like, it's let's let's go. That's like that means me and you. So we always look like we're trying to square up. Let's go. <laughs> so, like if a bear like does that, you have to make yourself as big. Like you jump, like park rangers tell you they jump, like jump up and down. Like you're crazy. And you look like the craziest guy in jail where bears are like, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you're going to do. I'm just going to walk away. You know, it's that same thing. You have to show, you have to show that, that, that dog. And I, I have kind of a hair trigger. So I think, so sometimes I will just spill and be like, look, here's what's wrong right now. Cause I think I would just be like, your dog sucks. I would just say to her, like, this, this dog is fucked up. This dog is trying to bite me every time. Are you not noticing this? I know you love this dog, but I feel in danger. It's uncomfortable. Like, even what you said where the dog was growling, like, I hate that. The dog won't stop looking at you and growling. I've had that, like, on a, on a plane where a baby keeps staring at me and, like, making noises. Like, this kid just kept going, no, no. And I looked at the baby and was like, hey, hi. And she'd go, no. And then I'd turn away and the baby'd still stare at me. And she just kept saying no over and over. And I'm like, lady, you gotta See, talk. That's where you gotta start saying no back. And then you're both just two motherfuckers annoying the rest of the plane. And then someone's gonna make one of you shut the fuck up. Now it's everybody's and problem. That's yeah, I if the, the bigger issue though is if she doesn't see an issue with the way the dog is treating you, then you just gotta be straight up, man. That's you exactly. Know. But he yeah. called for advice. That means he likes her because mm -hmm. it had been easier to just cut her off. Yeah. But, you know, the dog, the dog isn't going to go anywhere. So either your behavior towards the dog has to change or the dog's behavior towards you. So it's either bacon bits or yeah. fucking class. Yeah. Now don't pay for the fucking class unless you really like her. No, and the dog is a dog. Like she's a person. She has to recognize this situation. And she yeah, maybe she don't know, but dogs are like children. They're one way with you and then another way when another motherfucker comes around. So just, hey, to your point. you know, if you don't mind, I really like being around you, but mm -hmm. your dog is tripping sometimes. So would you be opposed to us getting some class? You know, make it a us uh -huh. activity. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. All right, hope that helped, caller. Uh, yeah. Caller number two. Hey, Matt, I know you got Roy on tomorrow, and I know he has a young son. Uh, I've got a three-year-old daughter, and she's absolutely kicking my butt right now with potty training. Uh, I was curious if Roy had any advice as it relates to that. I love following you on Instagram, Matt. and uh, thanks. Appreciate it. Bro, my kid's um, grandmother potty trained him. We looked out. We had been trying for months. And then we left him alone with her for three days. And when we came back on Monday, it was just a fucking victorious fucking thing. And I feel so bad for passing the buck like that. Um, you can't shame them when they when they piss their pants. Um, we tend to take toys away or use a reward-based system. So... If you do the thing, you get the toy today, you know, like, you know, the way they do like tennis ball, again, like dogs, the way you do a tennis ball with a dog, you get the treat, you did the thing, here's the car that you, my son loves Paw Patrol. So 
Hmm. You know what? You went to the potty right away. You get to watch Paw Patrol. Yeah, that's you great. Get to watch an episode of Paw Patrol. Like that was the thing. Like whatever they love, take it from them, and then try to create a reward-based system. We watched every video. Um, there's a. It's a fucking stupid video, but he loved it. It's called. Uh, the, the woman's name is Snook Nook. Okay. <laughs> Writing it down right um, now. Cause I, you know, I got an eight month old. So. Oh shit, bro. Your time is coming. Coming. But girls supposed to learn it quicker than boys. They say. Um, I've heard that too. Yeah. And you, um, you have okay. Here it is on YouTube. It's called you made a potty. If you just type in, you made a potty. Okay. Is it Snook Nook? Is that right? Yeah. It's a black woman. She's the first video. If you type in, you made a potty. Got it. She's the first result. Okay. And it's just a bunch of kids celebrating that they took a shit in a bowl. And and they're happy. She's happy. The kids are dancing. So anytime she does go to the potty, play that song and that kind of becomes like the victory song or whatever. All right. And my son enjoyed the feeling of dancing and jovial. Like he likes, which is why my, his, his grandmother was a better play because I'm very methodical and systematic. You do it and you feel your belly tingle. Elmo says when you feel it tingle. Whereas grandma is just all love and happy and energetic and, you know, there's that you know you know i know a lot of people sometimes leave their kids in wet pants because the discomfort can you know i guess help them i personally don't buy into that i'm not sure if that's like you know because i don't want my kid at 14 to waste a soda on himself and then go back to his childhood no they don't love me because they would leave me in pissy drawers yeah that's i don't like that that almost seems like like torture conditions i don't like that yeah, but you just got to know the difference between whether or not your kid just hadn't figured it out yet or they're just being defiant and not going. Because if they're being defiant and not going and purposely pissing your pants, you have to take them out the diaper so they can feel the discomfort of that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, when I don't go, this fucking sucks. I'm sitting in a puddle. Yeah. So, you know, I, I hope that helps. Just figure out a reward system and stick to it. Do mm-hmm. not deviate. This is good. This is good. I mean, because that's that's this is one of the first times I've had a call or call someone that I was like, "Ooh, I I would like to know this too." And your answer <laughs> that was that was that was ship shape, man. That was awesome. I'm right. not qualified for any of this shit, bro. Just oh, sure. That well, that's kind of the point, man. This is this isn't fucking Doctor Drew. We're just you know some some, <laughs> some road road dog scumbags, you know. <laughs> All right, caller number three. Yeah, I really need uh, some advice for a new job that I just started. Just started a new job, and uh, normally the training's in person, but it's all over Zoom. And so I'm really just looking for a way that I can make a big splash, you know, make myself known, um, make sure that uh, the company knows that I'm a good employee and valued. And so what can I do 
to make myself known in my first few days and only over Zoom. Really appreciate your advice and your time. Thanks. Um, I'll give you a trick that I use when I'm doing meetings with, and this is the only piece of advice I'm going to give on this because this is, because there's a, there's a line between doing your research on someone and stalking them. Right. <laughs> so when you, when you're pitching a television show, more often than not, you're not pitching the show, you're pitching yourself. The show is the vehicle that justifies you all having to sit down, but they're looking into your eyes and deciding whether or not they can trust you to steer a million dollar franchise or whether or not you have the ideas and the wherewithal and the competency. Yep. Um, for me, it's identifying the things that are relatable between me and these strangers and figuring out ways to integrate that into the conversation with them in a way that's organic, that doesn't feel like, so I saw on your Instagram, you like the fucking Kansas City Royals. Yeah. And I would you say, bring up baseball. not familiar either, you know? Correct. Like, you, Roy, you and I enjoy the temperature of Birmingham. We're the same. And, I, you know, and right then you're like, we're not the same. I'm not, I'm not correct money, Matthew. You know, like it's, the, it, but yeah, so continue. Sorry. If it's a foodie, uh, also, so there's that. Find the common denominators between you and these strangers because you can be jovial and crack, you know, jokes in person or whatever and have the right energy. But people want to either feel, you know, relatable or feel appreciated. And I think the way you can make them feel appreciated initially is to ask some questions. And I don't think that makes you look dumb. It makes you, it makes them feel needed and wanted, which people enjoy, which makes them, which makes them put you in a positive regard, mm -hmm. you know? And it's not just questions about the job. It could literally be, you know, I don't know if all of you all are in the same city. It sounds like you are. But if even that's the case, then these people have full names. They have social media profiles. Does the kid play a sport? What's the fucking sport? Is this guy active in it? Does he like sneakers? Does he like food? Everybody's got a fucking love. And it could be the beach. And that's something as simple as when you're talking to them about blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of it happens, especially in Zoom. A lot of that idle chat that shit happens at the top of the call and the back end of the call. Get on Zooms five minutes early. Mm -hmm. And that just that five minutes of just as people are logging in, ding, ding. Hey, Dan. Hey, Steve. What are you up to today? Nothing, man. I, baseball's back. I guess I'll have to watch the so and so suck again. Really? I like the Royals. Oh, yeah. Such and such is good on the Royal. I like Lorenzo Kane. That's a good guy. Like, and the crazy thing is that on Zoom, you can have a fucking cheat sheet right to the side. Yep. And so I'm not saying full-blown stalk these people, but find the common denominators that exist between you and these newfound strangers That's and it. figure out organic ways to bring up those similarities within conversations. And uh, you'll be on the right path. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly... The, the only thing I would add is, you know, just like... To use to use your use your analogy of selling a show, uh, 
I had an agent once say to me, like, if you're pitching a project, what you're really saying is, can I have $9 million? Basically, you know, that's what you're saying. You're asking for an ungodly amount of money. So like you, it's up to you to do all the research and be as interesting and as attractive to them as possible. But really what that translates to in your normal everyday job is, can you stand me? Because if you're hiring someone, you're like, can I stand this person? Are they fine to be around? If they're fun to be around, that's a cool thing. But if they're too fun, that's too much. But if they're around mm. me and I don't mind it, and I'm like, you know, that's, a, that's the beginning of every great relationship is I can stand this person. You know, I can, wow, this yep. is cool. And it doesn't, their presence isn't grating. And if you're that person, <laughs> Zoom call, where it's just like, uh, yeah, this is this person is, is cool to be around. This person is an addition. The term that's always thrown around is they add value. If you're just there, and just like on your date, if you come off desperate, no one wants to be around you. But if you come off like, you know what? You're a good team member. You're a good addition. You know, you should join my, you know, my, my, my baseball team, like in this, in this, in this aspect ratio, this analogy, you know, it's like, literally that's all it is. All it is. Just don't, don't sit there going, I gotta impress them. Just be like, I'm, I'm going to impress them right now. Watch, you know, and a swing and a yeah. miss, but you got to swing. So that's, if they're that's, into fantasy football, join one of the leagues, but yep. also don't win the first yeah. year. <laughs> Which is hard to do when you like when you're trying to play play to lose fantasy football is when some jackass you put in who's done dick all year scores five touchdowns and you accidentally oh, win the game. <laughs> that's yeah. how it always goes. Yeah, it's like it's it's like you know it. it and NCAA brackets, you know, you just like people could study their whole lives and they won't, someone checking randomly will always beat their bracket, always. <laughs> <laughs> Against everything it's supposed to be. <laughs> Pine State beat USC? What? How? <laughs> yeah. They, everybody has a passion. Mm -hmm. find theirs and figure out a way to make it adjacent to your own and then they'll have something that they give a fuck about talking to you about other than work because yep. that's ultimately all you want at work is at least one motherfucker you can drink with or talk shit about the other co-workers but that's it <laughs> that's it so this was dope man thank you so much for coming on the show is there is there anything you want to plug that's coming up i really hate that that other guy didn't call in i fucking told him to call in i guess he didn't there was oh, you a had guy, that some guy messaged me and he's married and he's going through his wife's photo album and he found pictures of her in blackface. And so now he's thinking about divorcing her. Well, it's okay. Let's, let's, let's stay on a moment longer. Okay. <laughs> Even though he didn't. I was, I was excited for that one. I guess that one didn't come it's, through, it, man. Yeah, damn it. That's insane. He felt like, how do we do you, not, not to, not to. I didn't delve. I told him call the number. That it was literally like a two sentence thing. When I, when I posted on my IG, hey, I'm beyond with Matt. Call with your shit, and he just goes, I found my wife's blackface photos from college. She's about to be my ex wife. Oh. I don't know if old racism is enough of a reason to divorce someone. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. He, I just got a, a DM from uh, from Renee, our producer. He said we did not get that call. That fucker didn't call in, damn, because that would have been a good one. I, Renee's got good. He would have had that call front and center. I know. There's it. there's a lot because it's number one. How long have you all been married? You know, if you love her, if y'all are in love and this is a perfect marriage and then you just find that, then that's just more of a what the fuck, babe. And you just go to racism counseling together and you just, you know, ask her a couple, you know, play Fox News in front of her, see how she reacts. <laughs> like, you know, you gotta see, I guess now play OAN <laughs> in right. front of her. Well, we, you know, I had, I when I had Dave Holmes on and it was all, all the, the, the blackface outings were happening. This is probably... Mm-hmm a year ago the the modern ones and he was like he was like i'm just surprised the amount of blackface history people have that, that are like my age and younger i i, I don't you know i was like I'm, I'm baffled too you know but it, 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 i think so much of it was and i'm far from excusing it because it's just the worst but someone was just like you know i'm a huge fan of cisco or I'm a hero, or whatever it was, <laughs> you know, and it's just stupid. It was like, it was this thing with someone trying to do a, a, a tribute and just missing the mark and not reading the room at all. And it's embarrassing, it's but- Risking your employment and life's reputation for the sake of a black costume, in a weird way, it's kind of the highest compliment <laughs> to the person you've wanted to become. I'm willing to bet my whole career that you all would love me as Prince. If I just put this black shoe shine on my fucking face. I don't know. Like, what's worse? Finding finding old blackface pictures of your wife, of your spouse, finding old blackface pictures of your spouse, or just finding like a clan robe just under the like still fresh, fucking <laughs> washed. Like this is an actively used clan like 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 how you like how you keep your 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 karate gi for a tournament like this is not oh yeah this is when i'm gonna i'm gonna be it's batman in the third act when he goes to put on the special batman suit because it's really time to kick ass and the suit comes up out the floor and it opens up (laughs) this is my this is my sunday kkk robe this is the one I I just knee jerk. I think that finding old blackface pictures is a conversation before it is a trip to the divorce lawyer. Yeah, that's just knee jerk. Unless there's other shit going on in your marriage, and this is just yeah, this is the out. If there if there have been warning signs throughout your relationship that you have willfully ignored, uh, you know, let's let's not go in here. There's too many black people. Uh, Let's you know things like that. You know, I don't, I don't. Why are you watching this blackish bullshit? Yeah, yeah. What is this? Why isn't there? Yeah, they're literally saying, you know, like like Trump said, why is we'd be so offended if there's a whitish? You don't get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. That could be leading to a irreconcilable difference. But, but yeah, I think it, if there's a, if there's kind of a momentary mistake, because I, I think there's what, 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 I find, it, I've said this a million times, people tend to wish, and I do too, that life were Star Wars, that there was just a great big Death Star and we blow it up and we're good. And all of the sins of the past are erased and we're fine. So I find that 
that white people, that, that my people are too often performative and on the attack to destroy, where it's like, that's the guy, that's the problem. When it's like, well, I'm the problem. I don't, you know, I try not to be, but it's like, we're all a part of the beneficiary of it. And me finding out someone I know has blackface and going, look everyone, or being like, I made sure to divorce this person. It's like, are you doing that to make yourself feel better? To show that you're, <laughs> or that you're the good kind of white person? Or is this someone that made a mistake and you should talk to them and figure out what, what the deal was? And she's probably deeply ashamed. I will say, it's strange that she still has those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking for myself, if I did- It's a photo album. That means they were developed. That means she went, took yeah. the film down to fucking- Walgreens yeah. 24 hour and fucking printed them. I'll be back next Tuesday for my racism party pitches, please. If you could have those ready. If if I had my 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 Prince Halloween in college, that you would never I would that picture would be burned. That picture would be burned, or I would save it to show my embarrassment to be like, never <laughs> do this. See this? I did it terrible. <laughs> I didn't think it was bad at the same. time, you know. Yeah, but the fact that those yeah, exist, man. but she might have forgot, long forgotten about it. How old is that photo album? You know. Yeah. What if she's like eighty? He's seventy. He's like, bitch. What is this? And she's and she just goes, motherfucker. It was forty-two. What do you think we was doing back in forty-two? Nat King Cole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I fucked him. What of it, John? No. I I was a huge fan of Eartha Kitt. That I wanted. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm going to message that guy. Next time I'm on, I'm going to tell him the fucking Oh, call, please do. God. And I'm so glad you brought it up. Jesus Christ. That's like the best one. Oh, so low down. I just want to plug the podcast, bro. Roy's job fair available wherever you download, whatever the fuck. Um, it's basically just people telling terrible employment stories, but we also speak with people that are hiring in their respective industries. So, you know, we just mm -hmm. talk about pivoting into different careers and what that's like. Uh, if you're looking for a job, it's a place to go. If you already got a job, it's a place to come laugh. You know? Good so, times, man. That was great. Brother, man. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much, dude. All right, brother. Have a good one, man. All right. Take care of yourself, dude. Yes, sir. See you. Oh my God, that episode was incredible. Um, if you have any advice, doesn't matter what it is. Uh, if you have a spouse who has secret blackface pictures or anything else, call, it's anonymous, and leave me a message at 323-763-0228. Again, 323-763-0228, and I thank you. This Might Help with Matt Bronger was created and hosted by me, Matt Bronger. Produced by Outer Circle Media. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcasts.